unholy alliances. I'm in the Old Testament and reading through Kings and Chronicles. What a scary collection of leaders, building pagan shrines, worshiping false gods, validating male prostitutes. The list of unholy practices the kings of Israel established is almost endless. They fell headlong into sin and as a result were the first to be taken captive and removed from their promised land. Fortunately, the kings of Judah were in some cases at least a more God-fearing lot. Although sadly, of the 21 rulers, many whose name is connected to God, but more than half of them are evil and God deals with them accordingly. But what about the other kings who attempt to follow God? It seems when they listen to God and surround themselves with godly counsel, then they follow the Lord closely and clean up the mess made by the previous kings. That should come as no surprise, for the Bible is full of references advising us to seek godly advisors. Solomon writes, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but the wise man listens to advice and he follows it with whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And his father David wrote, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Although King David was certainly revered by his people and promised a lasting dynasty, it seems that his descendants didn't always follow in his ways or read carefully his extensive list of psalms expressing his devotion and wholehearted commitment to the Lord. We'll start with Asa, who made a treaty with the evil king of Aram. To secure this alliance, he even sent the silver and gold from the temple to entice the merger. But God was displeased at this unholy alliance and sent a prophet with these words of a rebuke. Because you have not put your trust, uh, because you have put your trust in the king of Aram instead of in the Lord your God, you missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. It's like God said, you didn't you remember how I delivered you from the vast army of the Ethiopians and Libyans when they attacked you? Why have you trusted in your enemy instead of me? Did Asa repent? Not at all. He was so furious at this rebuke that he threw the prophet in prison and even began to oppress his own people. He was not willing to listen to the wisdom of the righteous, nor was he blessed by the Lord's counsel. It seems his heart hardened against the Lord, for even when his feet became diseased, he did not seek the Lord's mercy. How sad for a man who was initially devoted to the Lord and did what was pleasing in his sight. He had even heeded the word of Azariah, who said to him and his people, The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. And though so, he removed all the detestable idols from the land and he repaired the altar of the Lord and he led the people into the covenant to seek the Lord, bringing a great time of renewal. So why then did Asa turn away from God's protection and seek an unholy alliance with a known enemy? Perhaps he gained too much worldly wisdom on how wars are fought, or he had too many years of peace and thus complacency and confidence crept in. It seems his faith became as old as his body. 
Remember, his ancestor David had taught to avoid sinners and mockers and to delight in God's law and meditate on it day and night. Beloved, our faith must remain fresh and active and constantly invigorated by our engagement with the Lord and our awareness of the world around us. Sadly, Asa's mistake trickled down to his son Jehoshaphat. Initially, he too followed the Lord like his father had done in his early years, refusing to indulge in the worship of Baal or follow any of the practices rampant in Israel. In fact, we read that he was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord, sending priests throughout the kingdom to teach the book of the law. As promised, God blessed him and gave him strength and wealth and honor. But then, what did he do? He made an alliance with King Ahab of Israel by having his son marry Ahab's daughter. Ironically, Israel was the very reason that Esau created his unholy alliance with Aram. And here Jehoshaphat aligned himself with a kingdom who had attempted war against his father. Not only that, but Ahab was a ruler renowned for his wickedness. How could they possibly mesh together? Perhaps Jehoshaphat thought that he should attempt to reconcile with Israel, who technically were his brothers when they were under the United Kingdom of of King David. Perhaps he thought he could have a spiritual influence in Ahab's life. After all, when Ahab asked him to join him in recovering Ramath-Gilead, Jehoshaphat's initial response was, let's first seek the Lord for what we should do. And so they brought in a bunch of Ahab's prophets who all pronounced a glorious victory. (laughs) But Jehoshaphat saw through them and said, is there not a prophet of the Lord here? He knew that these men were depraved, and he wanted godly counsel instead. Hmm, Great choice, you say, so what's the problem? Well, Micaiah is called, and the word he delivers is harsh. The king will die. You would think this word would turn Jehoshaphat away from Ahab, but it doesn't. In fact, he even agrees to remain in his kingly robes as they go to battle, while Ahab will be in disguise. It's almost mind-boggling to think of the ways that God showed Jehoshaphat to stay away from this alliance, but he doggedly attached himself to it. Not surprisingly, in battle, the enemy directed their attack against Jehoshaphat, and it was only God's mercy that saved him. Ahab, however, was true to God's word, die, killed in battle. Still, despite this mistake, when Jehoshaphat faced a fierce massive army in second chronicles 20 he did not turn to others for help but placed himself solely in the hands of the lord and his powerful prayers often quoted as a template when facing overwhelming circumstances and his devotion and the exultant prayer of the worshipers entering battle ensures that the victory is absolute and the enemy is destroyed But despite these acts of faithful service and dedication, Jehoshaphat later would once again enter into an unholy alliance with Israel, agreeing to build a fleet of trading ships. God intervenes, sends a prophet to warn him, but the destruction happens because Jehoshaphat persists and all of his ships are lost. Clearly, these unholy alliances cost Jehoshaphat a great deal and almost cost him his life if God hadn't intervened. 
And what about that marriage that began to spiral into godless agreements? Do you remember that Jehoshaphat married his son Jehoram to Athaliah, Ahab's daughter? Tragically, the evilness of his wife and her family possessed him. Not only did Jehoram kill all of his brothers in a wicked attempt to protect his throne, but he led the people in the worship of idols, just as King Ahab did in Israel. As if this wasn't bad enough, when his king became when his son became king, he too led the people in godlessness and also aligned himself with the wicked son of Ahab, heeding his counselors instead of the Lord, meeting an early death as a result. But it gets worse. After he dies, Athaliah, Ahab's daughter, the woman whom Jehoshaphat married to his son, she rose up and began to murder the rest of Judah's royal family. And only young Joash was hidden safely away. Over her brief reign, Athaliah firmly entrenched Judah in even deeper debauchery and wickedness. It's frightening to see the destruction that occurs through unholy alliances. Nowhere is it clearer that bad company corrupts good character. This was the reason that God prohibited alliances with ungodly people and commands that we are not unequally yoked with unbelievers. As Crystal McDowell warns, we are not to be unequally yoked in marriages or in business partnerships or in any endeavor when we tie up our family, finances, or future with those who reject God. Through God's guidance, we are meant to be able to distinguish between what is holy and what is unholy and place ourselves firmly in God's camp every time. And so, beloved, let's be careful where we seek comfort, happiness, financial security, protection, safety, even salvation. For there is only one who can give us all of these, the Lord God Almighty. And we are to love him and serve him with all of our lives.